0: Hello everybody and welcome to She Talks Tech where I profile women in technology and STEM careers. My aim is to elevate and amplify their stories and inspire more women to join this field. Through detailed interviews with successful women in technology and STEM, I explore their career paths, challenges, successes and advice for aspiring professionals. Join me as I celebrate the achievement of women in technology and STEM and discover the diverse and exciting opportunities available in this field. Um, in today's episode, we have Lishana Nolo, or as I call her, uh, L- Nolo, one of the amazing women in technology that I know,
1: and I have a pleasure to actually speak to you today. Hello, Nolo. Hi, Lelani. Pleasure to um, be on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Yeah, welcome and um, I'm so happy that you actually agreed to be in the platform because um, you're one of the people that I really, really am excited to have their stories shared because one of the mandate of this platform is to really, really just highlight the women in technology because we don't get to hear a lot and lots of the stories and I just want to be in a position where their stories are highlighted. Two things might happen in this whole journey. One might be that you you get to reflect and look back and know that you're doing well. And the other one, someone who's listening would be in a position to know that, hey, it is possible and it can be done. So I want us to start this conversation from the very beginning before we actually touch your tech part of things. I know you grew up in Pretoria. Did you grow up in Pretoria
1: or am I lying? No, no, no. So um I was born in Pretoria. Yeah. Um, but I actually grew up in Ekangala for the first part of my life. It's a ah, small yeah. township outside of Broncos Yeah. Um, and then we later moved to Broncos in my primary school years. Um, and then I spent a lot of my time in Broncos So I think you probably think I'm from Pretoria because T U T. So I went to yeah. um university that side, and I spent mm. the rest of my adulthood um in Pretoria.
0: Yeah yeah would you say and uh, Enkangala is where your your life was shaped as a as a young person and
1: adult and young adult um i'm not sure it's tricky because i mean in ekangala was very very young uh, mm. very early primary school years um mm. i think so I remember most of my childhood in Broncos Braid. Yeah. Um, and I think also because when I was in Ekangala, I mean, I spent most of my time in Broncos going to school and go, going back home in the afternoons. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a bit of both Ekangala and Broncos but most of the things that I remember um, happened when I moved to Broncos.
0: Oh wow, that sounds amazing! So, um, I already know what you do, and I really find it really inspiring. But I want to, I want you to use your word to actually just share with the audience and everybody, um,
1: what you do and um, how you got started in the process. Sure. Um, so I'm currently a uh, senior project manager at Mint Management Technologies. Um, Mint is essentially a Microsoft partner. So all the projects that I run um, are either Microsoft funded mm-hmm. or, or we work hand in hand with the Microsoft team. Um, and how I got started on, on this journey. Sure, it's been long. Do you want me to start from high school? <laughs> you can, you can. So, I mean, I, I, we have all the time, I think. <laughs> so it actually started in high school, um, grade yeah. 10. um. Mm-hmm. So my then best friend's dad took us yeah. to the CSIR in Pretoria um, for that um, CELSI initiative for take a girl child to work.
0: Ah, yeah.
1: So we went through all the different departments, you know, you know, CSIR is quite big, so you you get to see the engineers the researchers um the people that were doing like amazing crazy things Yeah. so you walk through each department and i remember just thinking um when i went to for example the people that were doing biochemistry and all the science stuff yeah. and they'd say yeah oh, so for you to be successful or if you want to follow this path you need to be good at maths you know yeah. and your physics needs needs to be great and i was yeah. so stressed because physics wasn't exactly my strongest um my strongest subject i was struggling and i was planning on leaving it the next year so we go to different departments and it's the same story your math needs to be excellent your physics needs to be excellent and then we finally got to the IT department and I just fell, before they even spoke about the marks, I just fell in love with yeah. just how that environment felt to me. I think when I was there, it felt like, okay, this, this feels like home. Yeah. The people were not dressed as seriously as the scientists that were in labs. Um, You know, it was a completely different world. Mm. And to my luck, they just said, just do fairly good in maths. And you yeah. don't need physics. And I just thought, yes, <laughs> yes, this is what I'm going to be doing. I do not need physics. So from that day on... Uh, My aim is to make sure that I get really good metric results. And for me to get that, I'd need to drop physics and take something that will help my average, you know. So I dropped physics, um, did um, computer science, uh, no computer applications, technology, CAT, as we called it in high school, Um, did geography and biology. And then I made sure that I still stay in maths, obviously, because I needed. it, because um, yeah. at that time, I thought I was going to be a developer. um. So I did well in high school. And so I applied at different universities, like we all do in matric. And mm-hmm. I remember I got accepted at uh, UJ, University of Pretoria, and TUT. But at that time, oh man, the financial situation at home wasn't too great. So... I thought if I were to go to UJ, I'd be risking potentially not completing my, you know, my degree because my parents might have financial difficulties and all of that. So I thought yeah. it might be easier for me to just go to TUT. Um, and I mean, from what I've heard from different people that I've spoken up, spoken to in the industry, my cousins as well, they'd say to me, no, man, you don't really have to go to university to pursue IT. In fact, TUT is also great because most of the stuff they do is more practical. Yeah. So I thought, okay, cool, let's do that. But another hurdle, um, TUT did not have space for IT. So <laughs> yeah. I went into accounting for the first year. And wow. I don't even know why I forced things and just didn't wait or, you know, force myself into IT. But I decided, okay, let's just do accounting. So for my first year... I did I did accounting. Yeah. Biggest I mean, I don't I don't know if I completely regret it, but <laughs> at that time I thought it was a waste of time. Yeah. So my first week in university or um University of Technology, I walk into the accounting lecture degree. And at the end of the year, I just told myself maybe I'll get, you know, credited when I finally get into IT. So indeed the next year I finally got space in IT. And yeah, so that's where the journey started. Unfortunately, I didn't get credited for anything. So I essentially started from scratch. Um, But I didn't mind because you know what? When I started that course, I felt at home. The... uh, I think when you do something that you love or that you picture yourself doing one day, um, when the lecturer is standing in front of you in the hall, you don't, it, it's not something that's hypothetical or something that you can't imagine. You know, it's something practical that you see yourself doing. And it's, I think it, it makes life so much easier and varsity when you do what you love. So yeah, that's how my journey started. And I essentially completed my degree at TUT and I think while I was a tutor that's where we crossed paths right yeah. Uh, yeah. because that's where I met um, Misho and the whole geek, geek culture team and I think that really shaped um, my career shout out to Misho yeah. I think that really did um, because just you know going to M-Lab on weekends while everybody's out partying having fun <laughs> was in hindsight was was yeah was really good for my career in terms of um, networking and just meeting people in my industry and that's actually how I uh, got my first job so McLean um, Sibanda the ex-CEO of the Innovation Hub actually saw my tweets because back then yeah. I just used to tweet tech tick tech you tech, were, tech, like, tech crazy <laughs> <laughs> I was crazy I didn't tweet about anything else except tech and I think he saw he saw that and he saw my passion and he liked it and that's that's essentially how I got into um, the industry or got my foot into the industry
0: Ah wow, that is so beautiful and I think you've touched not liking something and then um going for the alternative and and having it work out. Do you think it will work out when you with your career? So from that experience of from university to now getting into gig culture and then the innovation hub like your first time into the real world, how did that look like for
1: you? Was it the same as what you expected? Um yeah, so when I got my foot into, into the industry, so the, I think the journey was long. So before I got into the Innovation Hub, I was with Geek Culture, right? Yeah. Um, that's something that you do for free, basically just for experience and to yeah. just get to understand what's happening out there. Um, So at that point, it was still a bit, um, I would say, theoretical because we'd mm. attend conferences, Microsoft conferences, and they'd be talking about Azure this, Azure that. But yeah. for me, it wasn't really clicking because I wasn't in that environment as yet. Yeah. And I think the first time I sort of um, had an experience where I was out in industry and I mm-hmm. got to feel that um, this 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 is something that I see myself doing was when we went to ThoughtWorks. I don't know if you remember yeah. um, ah, when yes, ThoughtWorks yes. was still in in Brumfontein. Yes, yeah. so um, they had some did holiday together. thing for students. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, actually. Oh so ThoughtWorks, ThoughtWorks was when I first heard about Agile, yeah. you know, creating user stories, mm-hmm. um, acceptance criteria, all that technical stuff that I work with now. Yeah. And I swear to you, it just made so much sense. Like yeah. they taught us how to write a user story and I grasped it, um, grasped it um, from that moment on. And it was so easy for me to just, you know understand how they work and how an agile or scrum master would work. Mm. And I remember they ended up um, getting me into one of their interviews for an internship in India. Yeah. And oh gosh, I don't like how that story ended because (laughs) that interview process was a long, it was about six months. And I mean, I passed all the stages because I went through different interviews and in my head, I thought, oh gosh, I'm going to go straight from TUT to ThoughtWorks, India. I was so excited. And yeah, that fell flat. Um, I remember I even passed my last um, interview and they said, oh, well done. Um, You got, they actually said you got the job. Yeah. And then a week later, they call me and they're like, no, actually, um, we've decided to interview more people. And uh, basically, it just it turned out that somebody internally wanted the job. And I mean, looking mm-hmm. back in hindsight, it would make sense for them to hire somebody internal who um, yeah. would want to be groomed in that position. Mm-hmm. So that was a big loss for me. I oof, I could not get over it. <laughs> um, And that's how I, I met um, McLean, eventually moved um to the Innovation Hub. Um, yeah so for me honestly the culture and the events that they took us to you know mm-hmm. the hackathons um, the vague the vacation work with different companies for me that showed me what I actually love and where I'd end up um, today
0: yeah so you mentioned on this is this is really interesting and I, I guess one thing that is worth mentioning is the fact that uh, somehow this is saying that things work together for our good. So well, thought works might have n- not happened, but like look at you, um, a senior project manager. Um, I think yeah. our path sometimes we don't actually like get to tailor how, how, how our life turned out to be, but it 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 works out, I think, um, or rather, I believe that it really, really works out. Um, you That's mentioned true. you mentioned something that I'm, I'm actually like uh, sort of really stuck of um, stuck with, and this is um, the fact that you thought you would be a developer um, when you actually wanted to start your career. So, did you yeah. then um, jump bump into? project manager or learn about project managing or product owning and then um, turn around your developer like what happened in that
1: so I think it's twofold the yeah. first thing was doing dev work in varsity was tough <laughs> Um Tell so when you go it. to class and you go Go to a yeah you go to a project management class yeah. the things re- you know resonate with you and yeah. then you go into development and you have to build a system and it has to be working this way and oh my gosh as much as that was fascinating and I I think it helps now in my job that I understand what developers go through to be able to get to the end product I have so much respect um mm-hmm. for what they do um but for me honestly the sleepless nights waking up at 2 a.m and mm. thinking it might work if i do this and then running <laughs> to your laptop no 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 that's not something i saw myself <laughs> doing for the rest of my life yeah um so i think around second year third year that's when I started seeing obviously in second year I think that's where you specialize you choose if you're going into development or engineering so I chose the 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 business routes so that's that's how I decided and I think also just the thought works um vacation work also just put a stamp into the fact that I love what scrum masters do um so that's that's how I made my decision but another thing also I think I've realized that sometimes your internship year some somehow shapes where you end up going because sometimes you might be lucky and get an internship where you're doing dev work somewhere else and then you realize that okay development work in varsity was actually hard but at work it's not because you can actually google code or you can ask questions and and it's not as academic um so i think the other thing was me just being at the innovation hub. So I was at the office of the CEO Mm -hmm. and you'd understand that there wasn't any software work happening, um, in that environment. Um, but because I wanted to make sure that my internship was as productive as possible, I'd go around the, you know, the the startups that were incubated at the Innovation Hub and I'd just look for stuff to help them with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I remember I helped um, out at Lifted Minds uh, with Tiamu and them. So I'd write user stories for them before they could mm-hmm. develop and all of that. Um, So also that I think also solidified that this is actually um, what I want to end up doing.
0: Yeah. So. One thing that I also am catching and I'm getting is the idea of visibility. So you mentioned earlier on that when you started off your career, to me, it sounds like McLean actually like had hunted you because of your visibility yeah. for someone who's actually listening and they are actually in their path to starting off their career in product ownership or in project management or whatever it is that it is in tech. Um, Is there like a a blueprint to visibility? How does that look like and how or or rather how did you do it yourself?
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's a blueprint um per se, but Mm. on my end, what really put me out there is geek culture, I would say. Um, because you know, Michelle's already out there. Um, Mm. so I think I was piggybacking off that brand and those people yeah. um so it really helped for me to be around like-minded um young people that were interested in what I was interested in um mm-hmm. So for me, definitely visibility is one thing. So I used to I used to blab about, you know, yeah. technology, this technology, that on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and that was, I would say, my brand. Everyone knew that if you follow me, these are the kind of tweets that you're going to get into. Yeah. And I would also make sure that um, the blogs that I read, um, the social media accounts that I follow also speak to where I want to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking back now, it was actually funny, I just realized that I subscribed to BA Times, Business Analysis Times, yeah. way back in Varsity. And I also subscribed to PM Times way back in Varsity. So I used to get their emails. And I really don't understand what I was thinking because I wasn't even a <laughs> BA or a PM at the time. But I was reading their emails religiously because I was so interested in what they were going through in their workspace. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd definitely say visibility. So attend as many free tech events as as, as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very helpful because that's where you get to meet other people that are interested in what you're interested at. In. I, I think that's where I met K2, k and them. Yeah. Um, Griff, the whole gang. That's where I, I I I met them. I think they used to attend a lot of the Microsoft events. So just attend yeah. events. Um, I mean, I I know it's difficult now on social media to just tweet about tech, you know, because yeah. there's other trending interesting things to talk about but if you can have two separate accounts have an account for your personal life and then have an account where you know you're trying to reel the industry in so so just have you know industry there and attract um, people from the industry Um, and I think collaboration is really important so Mm You know, be friends with or acquaint yourself um with people that know um people in the industry because you know sometimes it's not that you're out there but somebody that you're close to is out there and they can put in a good word for you, mm. um yeah. So I'd say it's it's those these three things: just have a good social media pref- um uh, presence,
0: yeah
1: um attend events and just make sure that you acquaint yourself with people that that know people in the industry.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned collaboration, and I think it's really important to actually reiterate how how collaboration is like plays a huge role within the tech space. And I remember when we were starting our careers, because you, we, as we mentioned earlier on, we crossed our paths. Ellie um, started off at Geek Culture. It's funny because Geek Culture keeps coming in this platform um, even for other people that I have like started interviewing so it speaks to how much um good cultures um influence we have within our space and I remember mm. looking at you at the time and I'm like she commands presence and she knows what she's doing you just generally look like someone who knew what you're doing and you didn't just look like someone who knew what they were doing you literally just put your name forward and you put your like Your skills were actually visible for everybody to see. And this was our early days. Your story is something that um, is very inspirational for someone who would be listening. And someone might be listening today and we are going on and on about project management, product ownership, and they don't really know what is happening here. Um, What does it take to be a product owner? is product ownership the same thing as project management what is where's the link between the two is there a link at
1: all yeah sure um so I'm definitely just in project management I wouldn't say I'm in product ownership um, but Mm. there's definitely a link in the two in the industry so as a project manager um for example my day-to-day would be just to make sure that my projects are delivered on budget, on time, on scope, and the quality um, is is acceptable to the client, right? So mm-hmm. that that iron triangle. So that's what I work um, with on a on a daily basis, um, and then how you run a project will depend on the methodology that you use, uh, the organization that you're part of, etc. Um, mm-hmm. So currently. Um, I have, I run projects that are in government and I also have projects that are in private sector and um, agile is the big thing nowadays. You're finding back in the day, government was strictly waterfall, prints to, you know, heavy documentation, Um, but they're now more open to doing things the agile way and I'm really Mm -hmm. excited about that. Um, So a lot of the projects I run, I'll have the role of both a project project manager and a scrum master. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a scrum master, I'd just basically make sure that that um... I run the the rituals or the meetings, um, mm-hmm. the agile meetings of the team. So on a daily basis, for example, um, I have a stand up with the different projects. So if I've got five projects, I need to make sure that you know my stand ups go one after the other so that yeah. I don't disturb people later in the day. So I have my stand ups typically in the morning. We just check on check on people's progress. What did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Are there any blockers? Um, as a PM, you try and make sure that you you know help your team with those blockers um, so that they're able to continue you with work um so it's it's yeah it's it's Project management, I think, is 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 quite a lot of work. It's broad. Um, over mm-hmm. and above, making sure that you're running things into the project. Um, you also need to look at the governance things um, that your own company adheres to. So I need to make sure that I'm always logging risks, yeah. um, issues, you know, dependencies, um, all of that stuff. So I need to be on top of that. Yeah. Um, and then product ownership. So you'll find in a in an agile project, for example, um, you'll have your project manager. And then you'll have your scrum team, which will have you, your developers, um, Mm. testers, um, those people. And then you also have a product owner. So the product owner is typically somebody that's representing the clients. So when we get into a planning where we're looking at the um, client's um, requirements, for example, the product owner needs to ensure that... um, the, the list of requirements that we have are ordered according to priority of our client. so they need to make sure that whatever we do as a team, they keep the client's voice um, in the meeting so that whatever we are delivering is something that the client wants. So definitely the two roles um, cross paths um most of the time in my industry. Um, yeah. But I have heard people that are both project manager and product owner. Um, and there's people that are both project manager and both scrum master. Sometimes the roles are completely separate. So it all really depends on on the company that you work for um, yeah. and their definition of those roles. Yeah.
0: Wow. That sounds um, very interesting. So but to me, it sounds like this roles are apart from the fact that you have to see the product and the project through, it is people heavy in in a manner that yeah. there's a lot of different people that you have to work with on a daily basis. What yeah. are some of the highlights a th- and and also like some of the challenges that you find with having to have that kind of like a role that is very people heavy because I am like a developer and for me, in most cases, yes I do get to be working with like multiple people but like I have my immediate team and sometimes I'm just like well I'm okay it's this team and we are fine um but for you I imagine it's like a different
1: um ball game yeah sure so as a project manager you work a lot with people and you work with different people from different walks of life um different countries even different religions all of that yeah. and for me i think the best part is honestly just learning about other cultures mm. um you know having uh, with one of my recent projects you've got people in the netherlands people in egypt you know all in one in one in one team and I remember when the World Cup was playing we were actually on teams oh, wow. <laughs> and just dissing the ne- Netherlands guy like hey oh, are gosh. you okay are you gonna come to work on Monday <laughs> you know it's, it's things like that and yeah. you, yeah, uh, you get to build gr- good relationships with people that you didn't ever think you'd build relationships with yeah um, and I mean the guy that I'm speaking about is quite old I think he's in his 50s yeah and you never imagine yourself being buddy buddy and friendly with the yes. 50 year old um that that you work with so so it's quite interesting the challenging part of it is um obviously people in different countries with different cultures um have cert- a certain way of working um I think particularly in the African countries, Um, being a young female that's leading a project is mm-hmm. quite challenging, especially when you're running a project where there's older men that are African and they have their ways and, you know, uh, yeah, they just don't really believe in reporting to someone who's younger or someone who's yeah. a woman, you know, just mm. listening to you for them. You can see that it's it's quite a challenge and then they're not enjoying it. Yeah. Um, So there's challenges like that, you know, but I mean, if you understand um, the context around why they are a particular way, it becomes easier for you because you don't take things personally. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you do expect that, you know, somebody from X country who's 50 and, you know, has been an MD at this and this place having to listen to little yeah. old me <laughs> might might be a bit of an adjustment. And I mean, you need to learn to just separate um, work from your emotions, um, mm-hmm. try to get out of yourself and be in the situation as a professional. Um, I yeah. think that's mostly how I, I deal with um, challenges of working with different people.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very interesting one. And I think um it's it's funny that in every part of the world that you move around, I kind of just worked with like multiple um projects around different parts of the world. And one thing that you find is the fact that some people just find it hard to listen to a younger woman anyway um mm, especially yeah. with like cons- conservative um environments it's like why do I have to listen to you do you even know what yes. you're doing like I've been doing this forever so I, exactly I, I know <laughs> you know um that kind of an experience and just looking around do you think the space is like diverse do we do we have like a lot of women who are playing within that space or is 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 now the issue around having to to deal with people and people really sometimes even questioning or being uncomfortable with listening to you being as a result of of the fact that the space is not diverse enough mm.
1: yeah that's an interesting question because I, I think it it depends um on the company that you work for so I know my yeah. company is trying very hard to make sure that you know they hire a diverse um, group of people yeah. um but i mean i'd be naive to say that that is the that's that's how the industry is looking right now yeah. um, but i will say in the project management space i am finding um quite a quite a few women um yeah. i don't think it's as male dominated mm. but on projects most of my projects actually it's very rare for me to find a female developer yeah. mostly men i yeah if i mean if i'm on a project with 10 people it's very likely that Eight out of ten would be um, male and then two would be would be female um so yeah. I think we're still uh, we we still have quite a lot of work to do in making sure that the tech space is as inclusive as possible and women aren't afraid to be developers you know and just do I, I don't even think it's the hard stuff I think development yeah. is hard yeah. but I think are, women have have the capability to also step into that space and do great things in it um Absolutely. so definitely i haven't seen a lot of develop um uh, developer women um i do see women in the ux ui space um yeah. they, they they i think there's a presence there i'm um, testing, not too sure 50 50
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but overall i'd still say that we still need um quite yeah we still have a, a long way to go but it's much better than it was 10 years ago i'd say
0: yeah yeah, I mean, I've always asked myself this question, and I don't think I've, I've I've found an answer. It's been a question I've been asking for quite a while, and it's around what What do you think is the problem? Because like, um, sometimes I feel like the the industry is evolving and getting to that point, like at least bridging a gender gap, if you may. But sometimes it's like, oof, I am I I find myself maybe as like the only developer, or or there's only two of us. So I know you are not playing in a developer role but you work closely with developers what do you think the problem is and where do you think we are getting it wrong generally
1: sure so I think I think it has to do with um what is around us I mean yeah. I when I grew up I had never heard of women that are developing I heard mm. a lot about lawyers accountants mm. you know all doctors there's I think, especially in South Africa and the African community, there's certain um, careers that are, you know, respected more than others. And Mm -hmm. those careers are mostly stuff that we're exposed to. Um, And if I also just think about the people that are on TV doing interviews or people Mm -hmm. that come and speak at school. Yeah, so I think it's not out there enough. We don't mm-hmm. have female developers, you know, taking up space and speaking at um, women's conferences, yeah. um things like that. It, it it just yeah, it's it's not it's not a popular um yeah. it's not a popular career. Um but I think it gained popularity over the years, I think. There yeah. was a time where everyone wanted to be in IT, everyone. <laughs> um but even then when everyone wanted to go in IT, I think much like me, i i I did coding in varsity, um mm. but the 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 people that were really good at coding amongst my friends were the guys. And I think maybe if I had females that were just as good as the other mm. guys were, or if I had some sort of mentor who was in in that same space, perhaps yeah. I could have tried harder. I don't know, but for me, it seemed like ah, oh, all the guys are good at this, Uh, I'm not, so, you know, there's, there was just not, yeah, I didn't have a mentorship Mm. um, in that space, so I think we're just lacking in the mentorship area, and just exposure to the different things that you can do in tech as a woman.
0: Yeah, I fully, I fully, fully agree with that, because, like, I think, one thing that I've learned over the years is the idea that relatability is is like a big thing. If yes. I can't identify with something... It's hard for me to know if this is something that I can potentially do. And I'm actually really hoping that um, with this platform, also, people would be able to come and maybe even listen to this episode and then um, they hear your, your story as a project manager. And for someone who actually thinks this is impossible, they would be able to have a mirror and know that this is something that they can do. This is something that is possible for them because someone is doing it. And I think. This is like a big thing that i I, I hope we get to that point. i ha- I hope we get to know that there's a lot of women who look like us who are from our background, um, some of us. i I grew up and spent half of my life in the rural areas. um, and I hope that people get to know that, um someone like Sulani from the village somewhere is able to become a developer um someone like uh Lishonolo from township or i don't know if if engangala is like a township or or, or but is, I, know, yeah. I know i know i know so is and mm-hmm. these people are able to actually just get to this point and that's the real relatability that i'm really really hoping that that we get to um at some point and i think this actually it's a proper segue for us to actually get to one advice. If you had an advice for, for someone who's coming up and listening to you who is starting off or have not even started off their career and they're trying to figure out what they would do and you would want them to know that this is space for them, what advice
1: would you give to them? Sure. So my advice would be to not feel bad about not being cool in school. Yeah. Um, because I think because <laughs> I was part of geek culture, <laughs> 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 uh, my weekends were just geek culture and, you know, going to yeah. events and just doing boring things mm-hmm. um, and, you know, attending hackathons uh, while people were, you know, resting on weekends and doing other things. I think don't be afraid to not be cool in school.
0: Yeah,
1: um, Don't be afraid to partner up with people that you think, you know, are not similar to you. Mm. um so i mean the geek culture was like Misha, Misha was slightly older than me. There was Tiani, yeah. uh, there was you. It was people that I had, hadn't even spoken to ever in my life. So yeah. I mean, I could have easily just said, oh no, this is boring, you know, and just went and did something else. Yeah. Um, but I immersed myself in that environment. Um, I think that's also where I got to like learn how to just be comfortable with like different people that I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. So just yeah, familiarize with yourself with, with with people um that have the same goal and mindset set as you and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have to be people that you envisioned ever envisioned be being friends with or spending yeah. a lot of time with. but just do it um, for for your own good and just always know that the humble beginnings don't say much about where you end up in life. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's that's beautiful, man. Um, and I think I hope that someone who's listening, um, is able to take this and run with. And I wanna reiterate again that, um, you really inspire me, and I'm so proud of you. Um, looking at where where you started off and where you are right now, it is really beautiful to watch, and cannot really, um, wait to to see even how far you go because I know that you will definitely go go great because. The girl that I saw in 2014, the one who commands presence, the one who actually just really know what they're doing is really inspirational for me. So yeah, I think at this point, we are going to get to the last part. Before the last part, do you have anything that you think I, I left and you would have wanted to talk about?
1: No, I think we've covered most of it.
0: <laughs> yeah okay okay of it, yeah. so yeah so so very exciting of the, the end of the podcast is a letter um to your younger 10 year old self this is written in, in your voice and in everything I just want you to take that time and read that letter. Before you do that, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. I hope this, this interview was very inspirational for you. Um, and I hope you get to learn something or steal something from Lishon Olo's page page um, and, and run with it. Because just a little bit of it is good enough um, to get you to that point. So yeah, go ahead
1: and read the letter. I'm going to address it to Llochie because that's actually what people used to call me back then. Yeah. <laughs> the Nolo thing is, is quite new. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so letter to 10-year-old me. Dear Llochie, you're in the process of moving homes. You don't get as much tuck shop money as your friends do. Your mom isn't letting you get your skirt shortened. You're not nearly as cool as you'd like to be. You're making new friends and your friends from the previous grade are doing the same. Please know that none of this um, matters where I am now. You wake up at 4 a.m. to walk to the bus stop, but you get to school with so much energy and excitement. You're attentive in class. You spend some of your afternoons at the library and you do your homework and projects without much help. These things um, don't don't mean much to you but they sure do count now. Getting a bad grade on a test and pushing yourself to do slightly better. Thank you for building my will to improve. Cracking jokes and cheering your best friend up when she shows up to school sad. Thank you for teaching me empathy, for cultivating the heart to take care of those close to me. Forming a respectful and warm relationship with your school caretakers, Bossis Josie and the transport driver, Wagiven. Thank you for showing me how to live in harmony with people from all different walks of life. Where I am now isn't purely about timing and chance. The woman I've grown to become is partly your doing. The small things that you're doing make up the big picture that I'm seeing now. It's all adding up bit by bit. Keep being kind, loud, dusty, feisty, and determined. I am so proud of you. Love little Nolo.
0: Man, that's so beautiful. (laughs) That is so (laughs) beautiful. Oh, hug to the young (laughs) Shohi. Huggy. Thank you for joining me in this episode of She Talks Tech. If you enjoyed our discussion and found it inspiring, I encourage you to follow and share the podcast. By doing so, you will never miss an episode and can help spread the empowering stories of women in technology and STEM. Let's work together to break barriers, shatter stereotypes, and build more inclusive and diverse future. Join the conversation, follow and share the She Talks Tech podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to having you with me in the future.